Beloved, if you are so beneficently kind, meet me or beat me to Hebrews chapter 7. My sermonic soliloquy tonight is entitled, Such a High Priest Became Us. The hallway from which we will walk for a few phonetic moments tonight, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. Hebrews 7, 24. But this man, Jesus, because he continueth forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession to them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. Such an high priest became us. We're reminded this week, lectureship, that the writer of this book officially falls into the category of anonymous. There is no conclusive proof of its authorship. Several theologians and scholars believe it has the tenor, the tone, and the texture of other Pauline epistles. But it really doesn't matter who wrote it. It matters that God found a way for it to get into the Bible. The theme of this epistolary, the theme of this sermonic parchment, is Christ is superior. Christ is greater. Christ is better. He was compared in this book to the angels. And the Hebrew writer said, for a little time, he was made a little lower than the angels. But when compared to Gabriel and Michael and Sinclair and Raphael, and Lord knows compared to Lucifer, another angel, we found out that Jesus is better. Compared then he was to the prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Michael, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, we found out Jesus is better. Then he was compared to Moses, that great emancipator and liberator of Israel. And it's good to know tonight that Moses was a servant in the house, but Jesus was Lord over the house. So when compared to Moses, Jesus is better. He was then compared to that mysterious priest from Salem by the name of Melchizedek. And like Jesus had no beginning and no end, but when compared to the priest from Salem, Jesus is better. But tonight, we draw contrast and comparison to Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. Concepts 
precepts of the Levitical law. And we'll find out out of all the high priests that serve Jesus, serve Israel, Jesus is better. It really doesn't matter who you compare him to, he's always better. Buddha, Muhammad, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Euripides, Aristophanes, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Hebrew writer tonight, beloved, goes to great length to put to rest some untenable, illogical concerns that we had about the law in the Old Testament. These things were to our peril. But what the Hebrew writer does not do is dismiss the pattern and the purpose that we find in the Levitical priesthood. There are many patterns in the law we ought not dismiss. The pattern of worship, the pattern of family is found in the law. The pattern of redemption, salvation, even some church patterns are found in the law. It exposes tonight the unget-aroundable fact that regardless of what dispensation you live and what chronological age you reside, no person, no position, no power, no providence, and no provision is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's time for me to get a preach, Papa. They ain't helping me, so I'm going to have to help myself. Preach, Papa. Beloved, Christ is superior to the Le uh, Levitical and Aaronic priesthood. In the old law, God ordained and sanctioned priests and prophets. They were God's representative. They were God's ambassador. These men were God's watchmen. They were sent by God, ordained by God. They were sanctioned by God. They came by the inspiration of God. These men had insight, foresight, and they were able to look uh, with sight into things. With insight, they look uh, upon things. But with foresight, they can look beyond things. I'm glad tonight to know that the pro prophet age is over. I, I know a lot of things, but I ain't no prophet. If I was a prophet, the first thing I would do is go back to Florida and see the Powerball numbers on Saturday night. And I know some of y'all got some theological concerns, but if I walk away with 300 million and send your church 1 million, you liable to drop your theological concern. Preach, Papa. If I was a prophet, there's a lot of stuff I see tonight. I don't need to be a prophet, though, to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the prophet had a distinct role. The priest, particularly the high priest, he went to God on behalf of the people. We had no access to God. His ministry was to serve the people by representing us before God. The priest had connection to God. The priest is the only one who had God's pin number. 
He was our substitute, offered the scapegoat, offered the sacrificial lamb, became our expiation and our propitiation. The cross of Jesus represented what the priest used to do in the old covenant. And the reason the cross was heavy on his back and he needed help is not because of the weight of the wood beam. The cross was heavy because he was carrying my sins and yours. Your baggage, your iniquities, your transgressions, he carried it. In other words, he carried my baggage and yours. Y'all still don't know when to say amen. That's why I fly Southwest Airlines because bags are free. And every time I fly Southwest, I'm reminded of salvation because they don't make me pay for my baggage. That's what Jesus did on the cross. I don't owe nothing for all my stuff. The high priest, according to Exodus 28, the entire chapter gave us a dress code for the high priest. Dr. Carruthers, you are a scholar. Uh, the priest in Israel was dapper and debonair. The high priest had custom tailor-made robes on. The high priest did not wear possum. Preach, Papa. The high priest's clothing was set apart from the other people's clothing. God commanded Aaron in Exodus 28 to give your office dignity and honor, glory and beauty. There are some things the high priest had to wear. Ah, uh, beloved, the Bible says that God said, if you're going to stand before me, you need some ching-ching and some bling-bling to stand before the king. In Israel, the high priest's chariot was better than everybody else's chariot. You didn't have to wonder when the high priest went down the road. That was his chariot. He was the only one bouncing on 24s. Preach, Papa. The Bible says, let me go further. His ephod, his ephod had chains of gold. Onyx stones on his chest were engraved with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He had a breastplate on to protect his heart. His turban or his hat was fine linen. He wore a, 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 a robe, a purple robe a dignified robe and we in the church will get mad and leave if the preacher wear a robe on Sunday I got more Bible for a robe than you got for a suit I'm glad y'all here Southwestern with your robes on tonight the man of God wore a purple fine robe in Western culture, we don't wear what they wore, but the Bible was not written to our culture. And when we say, let's go back to the Bible and find the old path and the old way, why don't we go all the way back and follow all of it? 
and not that which is convenient to us. They already told me I got 10 minutes. The high priest became to us what he was to Israel, a go-between between man and a holy God. Jesus then died and became us so we can be like him. He came down to where we are so one day we can go to be where he is. He died uh, in our place so we could have access to his grace. He came down so we could go up. He hung on a cross so we could hang in the world. He bled so we could be blessed. He gave his life so we could live our lives. Y'all still don't know when to shout. He paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. In other words, he became a pink panther so you could be a black panther. He died in our place. And only Jesus could do it. God formed us. The devil then deformed us. The penitentiary tries to reform us. Education wants to inform us. The world seeks to conform us. But only Jesus can transform us. And only Jesus could do it. Abraham couldn't do it. He lied about his wife. Noah couldn't do it. He had a propensity for gin and juice. Jacob couldn't do it. He stole his brother's birthright. David couldn't do it. He slept with another man's wife. Uh, Elijah couldn't do it. He was a scary cat and ran from Jezebel. Jeremiah couldn't do it. He was paranoid, schizophrenic. He cried all the time. Paul couldn't do it. He had a thorn in his flesh. And Peter couldn't do it because he liked to cuss folk out. Couldn't nobody do it but Jesus. Am I doing all right? I'm kind of insecure sometimes. Am I doing all right? Well, let me cut across the field. Brother Nick told me I got less than 10 minutes. You know, beloved, what we don't understand about this high priesthood, he became us. And really, you would never appreciate salvation until you be honest about your sin. You know why a lot of people don't shout on grace and mercy? Because they don't think they're really that bad anyway. They really believe Jesus didn't have to come all the way down to save me. He could have stopped in the third heaven and saved me. But I came by to tell you, all of us have sinned. All of us fall short. Isaiah 53 and C, we all like sheep have gone astray. My sin, not your sin. Your sin, not my sin. Uh, my issue, not your issue. Your issue, not my issue. I'm not tempted by what you're tempted by. I may not be challenged by what you're But we all need help. We all need hope because we all got sin. And until you're honest about your sin, you will never really be happy about your salvation. You know, some of us have lived long enough that we done got holy now in our old age. And it really ain't we got so holy. Life done pull your teeth out. That's all it is. See, a lion ain't, 
a lion, a, a lion ain't bad when he loses teeth and loses paws. That's when the Bible said about David, he killed a young lion, trying to tell you, that lion still had paws and teeth. But when you get old enough, you bragging about the places you used to go, you don't go no more. They don't want you there no more. You can't go no more. You sleep at 9 o'clock now, amen. You know, you know, I... I got a cup cross. I, I took, I, in my first year in college, I took college algebra or linear equations. i never forget, and this guy was in class, and, and he was really smart. Every time the professor asked a question, he knew all the answers. Every, back then, in 1979, uh, he would go to the board and do a, a, a problem on the board, daughter, and, and he was really smart. Everything in the class, the rest of us struggling with this college algebra, he knew everything. And I asked the professor one day, I said, well, how does he know everything? He said, Mr. Leonard, he flunked this course twice. This is third time. So he knows that's how some of us are. We done flunked enough. Now we know everything. But it ain't because you so holy. It's just because you live. When you go home, if you really want to know that you really need a high priest and how dirty you are, quit taking a shower and run some water in the bathtub. Get in the bathtub, take a bath, and take your rag and rinse it off in the water. And while you're drying it off, pull the plug out and look back and see how much dirt's in there. And if you take three baths a day, you still leave a ring. It shows us how filthy we really are. If I had time, I'd tell you tonight, Jesus became us. Usually when you seek to become somebody else, Usually you think they're better than you. Like tonight, I wouldn't mind being Orpheus Haywood, but he don't want to be me. Because usually when you want to be somebody else, that person is higher than you. But Jesus condescended and became low down, snake in the grass, dirty, whiskey drinking, fornicating, My grandson wants to be like Papa. He lives with us. He's three and a half. He's got my name, Kylan Wesley Skinner. He, his birthday and I are the same. He lives with me. He wants to dress like me. When I put a tie on, he wants to put one on. He at home, he grabs a microphone, stands on a book, and preaches. He wants to be like Papa. Because he thinks I'm bigger and stronger and smart. When you want to be like somebody, usually it's somebody who's greater than you. But the irony of Jesus is he became us who were lower than him. And the only reason you would ever become somebody lower than you, you got to show enough love them. So my grandson and I have this love affair. He wants to be Papa, but when he's in trouble and has a fever and sick, I want to change with him. Because when you love somebody, you don't mind condescending yourself down to where they are. I got to leave the rest of this stuff and get out the way for my good friend. One of the most preeminent preachers in our fellowship, Dr. Orpheus Haywood. He'll be with you shortly. 
He'll clean up what I messed up. But I got to tell you, before I sneak to my seat, I think I told this to some of your churches. This is a true story. In Orlando, Florida, we have an attraction called Universal Studios. Uh, it rivals Disney now with visitors per year. There was a story of a young man who was a stuntman at Universal Studios by the name of John Hall. John was 33 years old. True story. John was 33 years old. John Hall was fit, fine, had broad shoulders, symmetrical waistline. Remind me of me back in the day. <laughs> Preach, brother, back in the day. Amen, somebody. John Hall was athletic. He was, he was smart. He did all the stunts, the difficult stunts. One day, John Hall was killed tragically on a motorcycle in an accident. I don't have time to explain to you, but when he died, he was clinically brain dead. Uh, for those who are medically astute, uh, for you to have your organs harvested, you got to be dead but yet alive. You got to be brain dead, but your heart, your liver, your organs are still viable. And his family consented that his heart would be donated to a young man he never met and did not know. So they rushed him to the uh, uh, operating room, took his heart, and that caused his ultimate death. They transplanted his heart into a 28-year-old man he never met and never knew. But they had a genome code match. They were a perfect match in genes. And they donated his heart to a man he never met and never knew. Two years later, the man was doing fine. His family wanted to meet the family of the man who donated his heart to their son. They arranged a meeting. It was very emotional. As you can imagine, very, very demonstrative, dramatic. And the parents wept for a while. But I forgot to tell y'all, John's Hall father had one son. His name was John. John Hall's father was a cardiologist, a heart doctor. He showed up at the meeting with the young man and the family with a stethoscope around his neck. And after he met the boy's parents, he asked that boy one question. My only son died for you, and he never met you. Do me a favor, let me listen with my stethoscope to the heart of my son as it beats in your chest. Y'all don't know when to shout right here. Let me listen to my son's heart beat in your chest. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, Jesus died for us, gave us a heart transplant. And all God wants to know is that his son's heart is beating in your chest. And you ought to be glad about that because he became our high priest.